And today we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. My name is Daniel, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here. It's just my honor to get to share with you on this Thanksgiving weekend. Pastor Brad kind of gave me carte blanche. He said, man, just speak whatever you want to speak about. And I thought, man, we're going to get deep into some theological weeds. We're going to answer the deep questions. And then God checked me and said, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Why don't you just speak about thankfulness? And I was like, all right, God, that works too, I guess. And so we're going to talk about thankfulness today. By the way, man, just Eric, you guys, you guys just killed it today. Just way to go. Um, if you're new here, I, I'm normally a part of the worship team, and I'm always, I'm always a little nervous on the weeks that I, I don't get to be a part of the team, um, not because I'm worried that they're going to be bad, but just that I'm worried that they're going to be too good without me, you know? And it's like, come on, guys, can you stink just a little bit this Sunday just so I feel... You know, for me, can you can you do that for me? But no, every week, they just continue to knock it out of the park. So I just want to brag on the worship team because, man, you guys are awesome. Yeah. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, very simple thought that we're going to be talking about today. The Apostle Paul says simply to be thankful in all circumstances. We're going to look at thankfulness today and hopefully I, I believe it's gonna it's gonna really speak to you. it's gonna it's gonna stretch you maybe even present thankfulness in a way that you're not used to hearing it and so with that let's go to God in prayer father we come before you today and we just we just once again acknowledge you are the God of miracles and, and for some of us God here in this place um, we need the miracle of salvation for others God we need the miracle of a breakthrough whatever it is God we know that the answer lies with you and the answer lies with your word so today we open up our heart to hear from you, God. We open up our heart to hear from your word. God, we pray that you would speak to us through your truth, God, that you would stretch us today, God, that you would challenge us today, Lord, that you would um, dig deep, Lord. We just open up our heart. We open up our minds to you, God. We thank you for all that you're doing here in us and in this place. And church, if you're ready to hear from God today, can I get a big amen? Amen. amen. You guys can be seated. Well, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Um, man, Thanksgiving really is one of the best holidays that we have. You know, I believe that on Thanksgiving, you know, God gives us a free pass on the sin of gluttony. You know, so gluttony, deadly sin, 364 days out of the year. But on Thanksgiving, we get a free pass on it. Um, one of the best parts about Thanksgiving, well, you know, best, maybe a stretcher. But one of the most interesting parts about Thanksgiving is, you know, when you get to interact with your family. And um, for me, you know, a lot of times the crazy family you feel like is always on your in-law side. But for me, it's actually just on, on my side. Um, and I know we could exchange crazy family stories like, you know, until Jesus comes. But um, let me just give you a, a pull back the curtain into my life, what my life is like. So this Thanksgiving, uh, you know, get ready to eat. And of course, I'm the man of the house. And I also happen to be a pastor. So it's, it falls onto my shoulders to pray for the food. And it's a responsibility. I'm like, okay, I, I'm happy to pray for the food. So I bless the food and we get ready to eat. And then I hear my mother, my mother is praying again for her food under her breath. She's praying for her food. And I'm like, was my prayer not good enough? I'm a pastor. I mean, come on. My prayer should be like doubly good. But yet you're praying again as if my, my pastoral blessing over our meal is insignificant. You know, it's like that hurts, mom. That hurts. But, um, you know, because I firmly believe it is an abomination unto the Lord 
When you pray, and especially over, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, over a good meal, that is not the time to be praying down revival. Amen? That is the time. You, you get in, you get out, short and sweet, let God know you're grateful, and you eat. So that's the way God intended it. Can I get an amen from God's people on that? Amen. So one of my other favorite things that I love about Thanksgiving, I just love the irony of Thanksgiving, that you have this holiday that, you know, you take time to stop and be thankful for your friends and your family and all the people in your life and how that's followed up immediately by Black Friday, you know? And, and so you have this day where it's, oh, I'm so thankful, I'm so blessed, I'm, you know, just, I have so much. And then right after Thanksgiving, I go get in line at 3 a.m. for a $200 TV where I have to fight people, you know, to, to get that TV. And Black Friday can't even stay in its own lane anymore. Now it's just creeping into Thanksgiving, and it's like immediately after dinner. It's like, okay, kids, let's go buy, you know, stuff now. And I've never done Black Friday before, but this year, my mom, when she was over, she was just dropping all these, you know, like, uh, think about getting a new TV, think about getting a new TV. And so, you know, I live like a mile away from a Walmart, so we decided, all right, you know, you know what, let's just go get a TV. And, and so we uh, loaded in the car, and my goodness, people, I pulled into that Walmart parking lot, and the insanity of what was happening there at 6.30 on a Thanksgiving. Like, you people should be home watching Charlie Brown with your family, you know? But instead, I mean, it is like we parked out, you know, parked out like in the, the store next door, and you know, you're walking a mile to get into the place, and people are pushing over each other. And when you get in, you can't help but like experience the Black Friday frenzy too. You know, I go in and, and all of a sudden, like they would set out a new pallet of something and you see this mad rush of people rushing to it. And so what do I do? I'm, I'm rushing to it too. I got to see what's going on. And, and you know, it's like, I don't know what this is, but it's $2. So I'm going to buy five of them, you know, and it's just. <laughs> so, so the coup de grace is, is we go and um, we, we find this TV that's in one of the Black Friday ads. And it's, it's this 43-inch HD TV that, you know, is on sale. It's normally like, you know, a million dollars or whatever. But, you know, today it's, it's $1.99, killer deal for this TV. And we found the very last one. I only had to fight like four people for it, you know. Um, but we found the very last one. And so we put it into our basket. And I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm like, man, Black Friday conquered, you know. And so we go and to the toy section. And my mom's looking for toys for the, the kids. And, and then all of a sudden she says, is that a smart TV? Mom, do you even know what a smart TV is? <laughs> well, I want the TV where I can, I can watch YouTube. I'm like, Mom, th this TV can take a signal from outer space and make pictures and sounds out of it. I'd say it's pretty smart, you know. <laughs> but apparently this TV was not smart enough for her and so even though we had the last one in, in all of Walmart, we head back from the toy section to the electronics section to put it back. And while this is happening, some guy overhears us that we're talking about putting, us, putting the TV back, follows us back <laughs> to the electronics. And I kid you not, I pulled that thing out of the basket. It did not even hit the floor before this guy was like, hey, are you, are you putting that back? Well, can I have it? And I'm like, sure, you can have it. So we give it to him. And then to top it all off, as we're leaving the store, he's the guy that they're, they're leaving, and they walk, he's like waving at us, like, thanks for the TV. And then I tell you, I got so mad. I'm like, I didn't need a TV before. I was perfectly fine with my TV, but now all of a sudden we had the deal of the century, and we had to put it back. I want a new TV now. <laughs> and I think this, this tension between Black Friday and Thanksgiving, it, it's really a microcosm of how I live my life in, in that one moment 
I'm perfectly thankful. In one moment, I'm perfectly content with all that I have. You know, I'm so, thank you, God, for your blessings, and I feel so good. And the next moment, my life is completely incomplete because I don't have a TV or because I don't have an iPhone X or 10 or whatever the heck they're calling that thing. I want it, whatever it is. You know, I don't have one of those. One moment, my kids are amazing, and they're a blessing from God, and I love them. And the next moment, I'm wondering how much I can sell them for on eBay. <laughs> Hopefully enough to buy a TV or an iPhone 10. <laughs> See, the thing is, we, we know that giving thanks, being thankful, we know that's an important thing. We, I think all of us in here would agree on that, and that's an important character to have. It's an important thing. That's why we drill it into our kids, don't we? You know, hey, what do you say? Say thank you. know, what do you say? What do you say? Say thank you. Say thank you or I'm going to spank you. That's, what, that's how we roll in our house. Not really. I just came up with that. Honey, write that down. We're going to start saying that now. Thank you or I'm going to spank you. That's good. Most of us would agree that we need to say thank you more, that we need to exercise an attitude of thanksgiving more. But it's real easy to lose sight of this and stop doing it. You know, we know that it needs to be something that's just more than a day. It needs to be something that's more than a meal. But we lose sight of this attitude of thanksgiving and what that means. And, and I think um, it's easy for us to slip from thanksgiving into Black Friday. It's easy for us to slip from this attitude of thanksgiving really to an attitude of thanksgetting, that it's, it's all about, hey, I'm thankful when I can, when I can get some stuff. And, and I think it's really dangerous that uh, some dangerous things happen in our life. Some real negative things happen when we lose sight of an attitude of thanksgiving. And uh, I want to go over a few of those. With, and I think the first thing that happens when we stop being thankful is that we really allow discontentment to grow and to breed and to consume us. And, and that feeling of discontentment is that feeling that nothing I have is, is no longer good enough. The car I have is not good enough anymore. The clothes I have, the things I have, my furniture, uh, it's all my house, you know, all, it's not good enough anymore. I need some new stuff. Look at what my neighbor has. Look at what my friend has. Look at what my coworker has. What I have is no longer good enough. But it doesn't stop there with that feeling of discontentment. Then I think it goes from discontentment to a feeling of entitlement. Well, I work hard. Well, I deserve nice things. I'm a good person. I, you know, I bust my hump trying to, you know, it's like I deserve to have something nice too. And that feeling of I, not only do I, I want it, but I deserve it now. And then... Entitlement, I think, uh, breeds a feeling of impatience. But not only do I want it, not only do I deserve it, but I got to have it now. And so what do we do? 24 months, same as cash, baby. Charge that bad boy up. Put it in the basket. And then uh, after we do all that, then there's that feeling of that, that selfish pride. Like, yeah, that's right. I did that. I got that thing. I made that happen. But what happens is before too long, the new thing becomes old. The shine gets taken off. And we, that feeling of discontentment comes back all over again. And we start this cycle, the cycle of discontentment, entitlement, impatience, and pride all over again. And I really believe that's not how God wants us to live our lives. I really believe that God's designed for us to, to live in a way that, that, is, that is thankful and full of gratitude. And that's more than just a day. That's more than just a meal. But it's something that needs to happen throughout the entirety of our life. So today I want to talk about how we can fight for thankfulness in our life. I want to talk about breaking this cycle. And I want to look specifically at some areas of our life I believe we're called to be thankful for. And at the end, I want to give you some ways to walk out this idea of thankfulness. Because I don't want to just say, hey, go home and be thankful. You know, that's, that's, I want to give you some practical ways to try to exercise thanksgiving 
in your life. So, you guys ready to get into this? Awesome. That was way better than first service response. You guys are awesome. All right. (laughs) Apostle Paul chimes in on this idea when the scripture we talked about, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, very simple thought, very profound. He says, to be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, a word all there, kind of intimidating, isn't it? You know, it's like when you hear all in the Bible, it's like, and it's kind of overwhelming. You know, how do we break down the word all into something that's a little more bite-sized, into something that we can carry with us and start to exercise in our life? So I want to look today at some areas in life that I believe specifically that God has called us to be thankful for and that God wants to operate with thanksgiving. And I think we look at these areas, they'll encompass a good chunk of our life, and especially things where it's easy for us to get back into that cycle of, of ungratefulness and, and not being thankful. So the first one I want to look at today is that we need to be thankful for our possessions. We need to be thankful for our possessions. And I think this is one of the easiest areas for us to lose sight of thankfulness. I mean, really, the whole entirety of, of Black Friday kind of rests on this idea that you're no longer content with what you have, doesn't it? I mean, companies pay marketers millions of dollars just so they can plant seeds of discontentment within you so that they can get you to take the thing that you have that works fine, that is perfectly okay, that is, is functioning and, and is perfectly adequate, and they can get you to look at that thing and say, this thing that I have is no longer good enough. I need to upgrade a perfectly working thing into a brand new thing for no other reason than it's the brand new thing. You guys with me? It's, it's that your, your phone is no longer good enough. Your TV is no longer good enough. Your car is no longer good enough. Your clothes are no longer good enough. Your spouse is no longer, okay, maybe not that one, but that, that we would take things that we have and upgrade them only for the fact that they're last year's model. And that's the whole goal and the whole aim of marketing and, and advertisers is that they would get us to do that. And, and see, here's, here's the thing, church. I really believe that we lose sight of this attitude of thankfulness. We lose sight of this when we forget that everything that we have comes from God and is a gift from God. And when we lose sight of that, it, it just allows us to operate in this life of discontentment and in this cycle of, I, I want it, I've got to have it, I want it, I've got to have it. See, James puts it this way in James 1.17. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a, help me out here, is a what? Is a, is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He says, every good thing that we have is a gift from God. And I think when we begin to really view it like this, when we look at it this way, it begins to kill the entitlement mentality within us, that it begins to break this cycle, this cycle of discontentment and entitlement and impatience, it begins to kill that because all of a sudden, the things I have in my life are not just things that I made happen with my strength, but, but they're gifts from God. They are gifts from God. And I, I think, truth be told, a lot of times we don't believe that. A lot of times we don't believe what we have is a gift from God. We think, now, if I had that, that would be a gift from God. If I had the new thing, if I had that house, if I had that car, if I had that thing, that would be a gift from God. But we look at the things that we currently have, it's just like, that's just the thing. You know, it's just my car. It's just my house. It's just, but when we stop seeing it as a gift from God and we stop realizing how abundantly blessed 
we are. Because truth, we are incredibly blessed. And it's good for us to stop every once in a while and remember that. Now, some of you say, well, I don't feel abundantly blessed. Well, uh, I want to help you out. I want to I push on that a little. I want to help you out here. So some of you today, you are so blessed that you did not have to walk to church this morning. That you got in a magical capsule that has a pedal <laughs> that accelerates you at an increased velocity. And you were able to, faster than you would on on foot faster than you did on horse. You were able to get to church in a climate-controlled environment, unless you have a convertible, you know, and, and you came to church, and you didn't have to walk. You're so blessed. Some of you are so blessed that after we get done here at, you know, two or three o'clock, whenever I decide to stop talking, after we get done today, you're going to leave here, and you're going to go to another climate-controlled establishment where you will sit at a table in the lap of luxury and people will serve you food that you did not have to prepare. And they will bring it to you on a platter and set it down before you like the kings of old. (laughs) And you will feast on the food. And some of the food you will not even be able to finish. You will be so full. You'll send the food back to be thrown away or you'll take it home in something called a doggy bag. (laughs) And, And you'll eat so much. And then you'll be so full this is the kicker. You'll, you'll go home, and you're so blessed that you will put on special pants <laughs> that you have just for the purpose of relaxing. Pants that have stretchy waistbands because, in the words of my wife, buttons are for losers. <laughs> and you will, you will put on these stretchy pants that are just for the purpose of relaxing after you've eaten too much and sit in a chair and watch football and think about how boring your life is. But church, we are so blessed. We are so abundantly blessed. Gratitude really does cause us to shift how we look at things. They're they're not just things that I got. They're gifts from God. They're gifts from God. If you're taking notes, write this down. Thankfulness turns everything into enough. Thankfulness turns everything into enough. See, when I'm thankful, I don't need the newest thing. Man, if God wants to bless me with the new thing, if he's given me the resources and, and it, it doesn't stretch me or strain me financially, man, absolutely, go for it. Go for it. God's blessed you with that. But when I'm thankful, when I'm operating out of this heart, it, it helps me realize that if I, don't, if I don't have it, I don't have to strive or stress or strain or worry to try to get it. That what I have is enough because what I have is a gift from God. And if he wants to bless me with more, that's great. But if not, I'm perfectly content with what I have. The Apostle Paul puts it beautifully in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. How in the world can I do that? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, the secret of happiness is this. I'm not thankful because I'm happy. I'm happy because I'm thankful. I'm not thankful because I'm happy. I'm happy because I'm thankful. See, if you can't learn to operate in thanksgiving now, 
then you will not be thankful whenever you get the thing that you think you want. You think you will be. But the truth is, if you can't be thankful for what you have now, you won't be thankful for what you get later. It starts now. Happiness starts now. Contentment starts now. It starts by saying, God, thank you for what you've given me now. And if, you choose, if he chooses to bless you with something later, man, that's great. But God, I'm thankful for what you have now. The, other, uh, the next area that I believe God wants us to exercise thankfulness for, so we talked about our possessions. I believe God wants us to be thankful for our relationships. It's another area that's really important to walk out, thankfulness. Apostle Paul opens so many of his letters by giving thanks for the person that's receiving. Well, I want to go through a few examples of this real quick. Philippians 1.3, Paul says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Colossians 1.3 says, We pray, we always pray for you, and we will give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Thankfulness is a crucial component of healthy relationships. I want to illustrate this. So I used to go to the gym. I mean, not a lot, you know, but, but I used to go to the gym. I go to the gym so infrequently, I still call it the James. Some of you are going to go home later at lunch, and you're going to laugh for an hour when you think about that joke, okay? So when I would go to the gym, you know, when, I, when it was time for me to get my cardio on, you know, there's a line of treadmills, and we didn't go to the fancy gym that had the personal TVs. You know, the TVs were up on the wall. And inevitably, I don't know why this always happened, when I would go get on a treadmill, the treadmill I had, the TV in front of that treadmill was the Lifetime channel. And the ESPN TV was like three TVs over. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to watch, I'm, I'm not going to watch the Lifetime channel, right? So, when I'm running on the treadmill, I've got my eyes over here on ESPN. So inevitably what happens is I'm running, and as I'm looking at ESPN, I start to drift over, and then all of a sudden you run out of the treadmilly part of the treadmill, and you run into the, the stationary part of the treadmill, but don't you know if you're running at, you know, I'm probably doing 15 miles an hour at least, you know, on that bad boy. Um, you know, that's, that sets you up for failure, because I had my eyes over here. I mean, that, that would also happen anytime, you know, if I'm on the treadmill, my wife would walk by, be like, hey, honey, looking good. You know, it's wipe out there again as well. Um, hey, babe. Um, so what, what's, the, what's the point of this? You will run toward what you focus on. You will run toward what you look at. And in your relationships, if all you focus on is the negative, if all you focus on is the thing that someone lacks, if all you focus on are the things that drive you nuts, that's all you're going to run towards. That's all you're going to see. That's all you're going to get out of the other person. If all you focus on is the negative of what your spouse does, that's all you're going to see. Well, they never do this, and they never do that. And they need to, and all, if that's all you focus on, that's all you're going to get out of that relationship. If all you focus on with your kids is how much they drive you nuts, and they never pick up, and they don't listen, and they, that's all you're going to see, and that's all you're going to get out of your kids. If all you ever focus on with your bosses, they never do this, and they never see, and they always pass me over, and they don't, never recognize my contribution. But if, all, if that's all you see out of that's the only that's what you're setting up your relationship for, because that's what you're running towards. And what thankfulness does is thankfulness flips the script on that. It changes your perspective. So instead of just looking at the negative, instead of just looking at the lack, instead of just looking at the disappointment, you begin to see the good in people. You begin to see the, 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 the plus side. You begin to see the positives. You begin to see the optimistic part of your relationship. And it does something where it changes 
the, the spirit and it changes the heart and it changes the tone of your relationship when you begin to operate in thankfulness and not in negativity. Philippians 4.8 says this. Once again, Paul writing, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Because church, the truth is when it comes to others, I can't control others, but I can control my attitude. I can't control my kids. I can't control my, I can't control, exert my will, exert my control. I wish you would do things my way. I wish you, I can't exert control. I can't control others. But you know what I can control? I can control my attitude. I can control my heart. See, when was the last time you took time to pray for someone and all you did was pray a prayer of thanksgiving for them? God, thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. And, and just begin to pray a prayer of thanksgiving over them, not about how they're driving you nuts and all the things they're doing wrong, but that you just prayed, God, thank you for them. How do you think that would change your attitude toward them? Do you think maybe you would nitpick a little less, that, that maybe you would have a little more grace, that maybe you'd have a little more patience, that maybe you'd have a little more mercy? Do you think you might be a little less critical? Thankfulness changes the thing that we run toward. And instead of running toward the negative and focusing on the negative, when we operate in thanksgiving in our relationships, it changes what our focus is and allows us to see the good in people, allows us to see the things, how much they bless us and how much we love them. And too much negativity will poison a relationship, but thanksgiving is the antidote for that poison. So we talked about our possessions, we talked about our relationship. The last area that I believe God wants us to be thankful for that we're gonna talk about today is for ourselves. Be thankful for ourselves. Now this, I think this is the tricky one because I think it's really um, easy for us to get our heads around the idea that we're thankful for the people in our life, that we're thankful for, you know, our spouse, our friends, our family, that we're thankful for the things that we have. You know, God, thank you for my house. It's real easy for us to kind of get that idea. God, thank you for those things. But when it comes to being thankful for ourselves, I think there's, there's a, a disconnect there. And, and I think the, the reason for that is most of the time when we think of ourselves, when we see ourselves, we only see what we're not. We only see what we wish we were. We only see the areas that we're failing. We only see our mistakes. We only see our shortcomings. We look in the mirror, we think about ourselves, and we think, oh, if only I made more money. If only I made more money. If, if, if only I, I could do what that person does. You know, the person at my work that's just killed. If only I, I had their skill set. If only I had their creativity. If only I had their personality. If only I were thinner. If only I could lose the weight. Then, then I would really be someone. You know, it's like, I wish I, I wish I could do what that person, I wish I could lose that weight. You know, I wish I were a little taller. I wish I were a baller. <laughs> I, I really believe, though, that God wants us to be thankful for ourselves. Not, and, and not in some stupid, you know, like I'm God's greatest gift to the earth. Not, not in some ridiculous way like that. But, but a genuine thankfulness for how he's created us and what he's given us. Now, I, I've even got some scripture to back this up. It's crazy that this, is, this idea is in the Bible. In Psalm 139, 13 and 14, the psalmist said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. 
Some of you husbands probably play, God, you made my wife too wonderfully complex. (laughs) Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You, everyone here, you are a precious child of God. You were you are lovingly created. He knows how many hairs are on your head. You are his masterpiece, the jewel of his eye. You are a child of God. So can I say this with, with as much authority and love but as straightforwardness as, as I can? You're a child of God. And for some of you, you beat yourself up so much, God wants you to stop talking bad about his kid. He wants you to stop talking bad about his kid. And he wants you to stop looking in the mirror and seeing all the things that you're not and all the things that you wish you were and all the things that you feel like you're failing and all those shortcomings and all those things. And he wants you to stop comparing yourself to everyone else. Stop comparing yourself to the people on your social media feed. Stop comparing yourself to your coworker and your neighbor and stop feeling like you're always coming up short and realize you're a child of God. You're a child of God. He loves you just the way you are. So we've been in this Discover class. We've got a Discover class coming up again in December. We're doing this class. every. This class is not going away, people. We're doing this class every month. We want to help you discover who you are. And we've been talking about how God creates you on purpose and for a purpose, that he's given you abilities and he's given you a personality and he's given you spiritual gifts. And none of those things are done by accident. He didn't accidentally make you a certain way and he's made someone else better and you're kind of a second tier citizen in the kingdom of God, that he's made you how he's made you on purpose. And that's such an important thing to realize because we become so dissatisfied with, wow, here, I wish I was like that. I wish I was like that. I wish I had that gift. I wish I had that. God made you just the way that you are. So how this has worked out in my life is, um, this is, this is something that almost kept me from going into ministry. Um, when, I, when I was on the fence about, you know, God's call in my life, one of the things that really was um, a stumbling block for me, just, just, it was hard for me to get around, was, was I, I felt like I didn't have the right personality to be a pastor. And um, what I mean by that is there's a pastor that runs in our circle, and um, he's, he's the kind of guy that you put him in a room full of strangers, and 10 minutes later he has, hey, brother, hey, sister, his way into making everyone his best friend. You know, he can just go around and work a room like no one's business. Um, Pastor Brad's wife, Laura, is this way. I mean, she's, she's the type of person where, you know, she meets someone in the Walmart checkout line, and by the end of it, they become best friends. She has their phone number. She has their social security number. She's watching her kids. You know, it's just she garners that kind of trust. She has that ability just to work a room. And, and I'm kind of naturally an introvert. Um, I'm not like a super introvert, but I, I'm definitely more on the introverted side of things. And I, I look at that, and I'd say, God, I can't be a pastor because I don't have that ability to be that super extrovert, boisterous, larger than life, never met a stranger. You know, it's still hard for me when I, when I go up to someone new. It's, I, I, have to, I have to work myself up. 
to, to get there. And I'm getting better about it, and then I'm working on it. It's not an excuse for me not to do what God's called me to do, by the way. But it, it's, it's something where it's, it's constantly something I have to work on. It's something that, and, but one thing that I'm realizing, and one thing that, that I'm discovering and I'm accepting about myself is that, you know what, I'm, I'm not that boisterous, larger-than-life personality, never met a stranger. I'm not that guy. But there are people, there are people in this room, and there are people in, in my life that they cannot connect to that type of personality. That that type of personality scares them, that type of personality, they feel like they're being backed into a corner, that type of personality is overbearing to them, and they can't connect to someone like that, but they could connect to someone like me, who's, who's not as, you know, ah, you know, just a little, little. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the 17th personality type, by the way, the 16 in our test, ah, is the 17th one. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, they, they can't connect to someone, but they can connect to someone who's more introverted. They can connect to someone on a different level. And, and what I'm discovering and what I really believe is that God didn't make me how I want to be made, but he made me how I needed to be made. That, that you know, if, if I could have went and made the secret sauce for, for me when, when all that was going together and I said, you know, I would, have, I would take some of this and I would take some of that, I, I didn't get that skill set. I didn't get that gift set, but that's okay because God made me how I need to be. Didn't make me how, I, you know, if I could have chosen it off a list, I didn't get that. But I got everything I need to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish here in this earth for his kingdom. And for you, you may look at yourself and all you may see is all the things that you wish you were, all the gifts that you wish you had, all the shortcomings that you feel like you're not measuring up. But can I tell you that God made you exactly how you need to be. So stop comparing. Stop beating yourself up. Man, have some mercy for yourself. And can, can I even go so far as to say, can, can you give thanks to God for how he made you? That you're wonderfully complex, that you were made perfect in his image, and that you don't have to lose the weight, or you don't have to uh, get the education, or you don't have to have the job, or you don't have to have the pedigree. You don't have to have any of those things to measure up to him. That he loves you how you are, and you are good enough how you are to receive that love that God's made you in his image. And so I, I hope for some of you that, that you understand that, that, that this can be a barrier to, to valuing yourself. This can be a barrier to self-worth because I believe that we value what we give thanks for, that, that when we give thanks for something, we put value on it, and if we never take time Stop saying, God, thank you for, God, maybe I'm not that, but God, thank you for making me creative, or thank you for making me good with my hands, God, or thank you for making me a good listener. Thank you for making me a giver, God. Thank you for making me someone that notices when people are hurting. God, thank you for making me a good leader. Thank you for making me someone that, that can talk to people. God, thank you for giving me a conversational person. Whatever that is, if we never stop to say, God, thank you for that, then we, we miss a great opportunity to put value on ourselves. And I think there's something that, that happens when we say, God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. God, thank you for making me how you made me, that it begins to add value to us. So thankful for our possessions, thankful for our relationships, and also we're thankful for ourselves. Because, man, none of us here are an accident. None of us here are a mistake. So I want to give you some ways we can walk this out. So how can we, how can we apply this? So... Maybe, let me, let me give one. Um, this is just a completely hypothetical example, by the way. Uh, hashtag asking for a friend. Um, but I'll give you this example, and maybe you can apply it 
to your life. So maybe, let's say, hypothetically, you have a car that you want to get rid of. Perhaps um, it's an older minivan, maybe, that um, has some, some rust spots on the side. And perhaps, hypothetically, you know, you're just tired of driving a minivan now because your wife has a nice minivan for the kids, and, and you don't really need a, a second minivan, but you still have one, and, and, you're just, and you drive it, and you, you think, I, I really wish I didn't have a minivan anymore, and you kind of become disgruntled, about, hypothetically, hypothetically. So what if you got in that van every day and you sat in it, you started up and you prayed, God, thank you for giving me this van. And then you didn't do anything with the van until you meant the prayer. What if for some of you today that you went to that house that you hate or that wardrobe that's driving you nuts or, you know, that thing, whatever that thing is, whatever that thing is, and what if you just hit the timeout button for a second and said, God, thank you for giving me this. It's a gift from you. Thank you. And then you didn't do anything with whatever that is until you meant that prayer. Because I'm not saying that you never get stuff. I'm not saying that you never do. But I'm saying, what if we just stopped and operated out of a heart of thanksgiving instead of out of a heart of discontentment? What if we just stopped and said, you know, before I get something new, I'm going to be thankful for what I have because I know if I'm not thankful for what I have, I'm not going to be thankful for what I get. So we just stop and say, God, thank you for what I have. And then once, once you mean that prayer, man, you're good to go. You want a new phone? Man, go get it. But are you thankful for the phone you have? Are you thankful for what you have? Are they gifts from God? So what if we stopped and we said, whatever that thing that's driving us nuts, we just stopped and said, God, thank you for that thing. What if you committed, so that's, that's possessions. What about, let's talk about our relationships. What if you committed for one week to pray only prayers of thanksgiving for the people in your life? And my prayers of thanksgiving, by the way, I, listen, I, I do not mean, God, thank you for my wife, even though she does this and even though she does that. That's not a prayer of thanksgiving. That's a prayer of complaining disguised as thanksgiving. That is, that is the turkey and Christmas vacation that looks nice on the outside, but inside it's like, you know, that's that. Prayer of thanksgiving is simply, God, thank you for my wife, thank you for my kids, thank you for my boss, just because, and, and, just, and whatever those reasons are, thank you for my wife because she's strong and she's caring. She's a wonderful mother to my children. Thank you for my husband because he works and, and he provides and, and he does his best. Thank you for my boss because they give me a place to work and they give me a place to provide for my family. God, thank you. God, thank you. What if you did that for one week? What if you did that for one week? Just the people in your life, your kids, whoever that, your family, parents. What if you just did one week and said, God, I'm just gonna pray a prayer of thanks. I'm not gonna try to change. I'm not gonna try to ask. I'm not, just thanks, just thanks. For some of you, you have people in your life, you might need two weeks to walk this out, and that's okay. But what if you just said, God, thank you? And, and finally for ourselves, what if, what if we found some ways to replace sorry with thank you? And what I mean by that is, is not that you never say sorry, but, but maybe you're coming in late for a meeting. And instead of, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm late and just, just beating yourself, what if you came into that meeting and said, man, guys, thank you so much for waiting for me. Just a little less sorry, a little more gratitude. How might, how might that change how you view others and how you view yourself? What if you just got up and when you looked in the mirror, whenever that time is for you, morning, night, or whatever it is, what if instead of beating yourself up over something you're not, you said, just gave thanks to God for something that you are. God, thank you. Thank you for making me creative. God, thank you for 
making me analytical. God, thank you for making me good with numbers. Doesn't have to be a long thing, but, but just something that's good about you. Some, some of you guys never stop to think, like even think about what's good about you. There's so much time, like all the negatives and all the things that you're not. What's good about you? Thank, thank God for it. Because he put that there. Every good gift is from him. That includes for us. So what if we took time to stop and say thank you to him? God, you may not have made me this way, but God, thank you for making me the way that I am. I wonder if that wouldn't change how we looked at ourselves. And I wonder if, just like in our relationships, if we wouldn't even look at ourselves with a little less judgment and a little more grace and a little more mercy.